0: A careful reading of the entirety of God's Word will disclose to you that God is not into mixture. Every man and every woman that God has ever used and will ever use, He has to do a work by His Spirit to bring them out from one kind of living, one kind of identity, and move them over into a brand new living and a brand new identity. God cannot have his man be of spirit and of the flesh, be of the light and of darkness. God's man cannot be living in God one day, dying in the world the next. And so the Spirit of God, all throughout the Bible, you will notice, does a separating work within his people. God is always bringing them out and moving them in. That is, out of sin, out of Satan, out of self-will, self-way, self-glory. And God is always bringing his man out of the world so that even if we live in the world, perhaps like a Daniel, it would be said of us, we are not of this world. We may be in the environment of this world. And where Satan is the god of this world, the god of confusion, the god of lies. Nevertheless, in this world, we've been separated. We are of the light. We bear the testimony of God. And we are not under the sway of this world, under the course and the manipulation of this world. We are under the leading of the Spirit of God within us. Now, that work of God separating his man from this world, and bring him in to God's economy, that work is not just a work in history. It's not just a work in the scriptures. It is even a work that God does in you and in I to this very day. There are countless examples and typological references of how the Spirit of God does this separating work, where he takes his people out of a certain realm and moves them into a certain realm. I want to point that coming out, dynamic of the Spirit of God, out for you here in Revelation. In chapter 18, you have this harlot figure, this prostituting figure, and you have this Babylonian environment. Now, before I read to you what is happening here, I just need to let you know, harlotry represents unfaithfulness. Fornication represents this loose living, sleeping around what we might even in typology call spiritual adultery. And in a way, that's the age in which we live, is an age of just loose living, an age of sleeping around, of a multiplicity of lovers spiritually, so to speak. And you're gonna, you'll you see here what the Spirit of God uh, is doing in this particular prophetic picture here in Revelation. Now, this harlot is also living in Babylon, and Babylon actually just means confusion. And of course, you and I, we live in this environment called the world, which really is, in typology, Babylon. We live in a place of confusion. Spiritually speaking, just open up your eyes and see how confused people are about spiritual things. And that was already prophetically indicated here in the book of Revelation. Now, there's a lot that can be said about this harlot and this Babylonian environment, but I want you to just notice what the Spirit of God is doing. Revelation 18, verse 2, uh, This angel cried with a strong voice, saying, Fallen, fallen, is Babylon the great. You know, the confusion. How great is that confusion, but it's going to fall. And she, this is Babylon, has become a dwelling place of demons. This is what confusion does, is it invites demons. And it's a hold of every unclean spirit. Again, confusion just opens the floodgates for unclean spirits. And it says this Babylon is a hold of every unclean and hateful bird. Prophetically speaking, Those birds are representative in Jesus' parables of the birds that snatches the seed of life. And, of course, it's the enemy of God. But it goes on and says, For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the fury of her fornication, and the kings of this earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich by the power of her luxury. And now the Spirit of God is about to speak. And you might expect the Spirit of God saying to the churches, Hey, go in and reform Babylon. Uh, Go in and teach a class how to clean up fornication. Go teach a class on how to get deliverance from, let's say, these demons and these devils. And You would expect the Spirit of God to do a clean-up work. You might say, a revival work or a a kind of a a restoration, revolution, reformation work. But the Spirit of God does nothing of the sort. Verse 4, And I heard yet another voice coming out of the heaven. And it says, Come out of her, my people. Come out. That is, walk Away, separate from Babylon and from this harlot. Walk away. This is the message of Almighty God to people this day. Walk away, come out. Don't try to live in it and reform it and and be a part of it. The Spirit of God is saying, separate. Let there be a cutting in you that separates you from that environment. And that's what this message is today. It is a message that just introduces you to the cutting work of the Spirit of God. Most of us, we want the Spirit of God to come into our life to pamper us. But really, before you could, in a way, come into some of the fullness and the richness of God, God has to do a circumcision work within his people. That is a removal and a cutting of the flesh. And a separating of the spirit from the soul. The book of Hebrews even says that the Word of God is so sharp that it needs to cut between what is spiritual and what is solical. I watch so many people in our day and age that are spiritually so confused, and yet God's Word is the only agent that can cut between what is spirit and separate that which is fluff of the world, of Satan, even of self and the soul. This message is going to introduce to you just some of the cutting work of God. And I'm going to speak from the book of Genesis. And I'm going to cover a little bit of the creation story by way of prophetic type and shadow. Hear me clearly that I'm not speaking scientifically I'm not speaking as to young earth versus old earth creationism. What I'm trying to extrapolate from the text is the spiritual overtone, the, the, the prophetic innuendo, if you will, the typology. And no, this is not a lecture on science. This is an introduction, if you will, to the cutting and separating work of the Spirit of God, and I hope you can receive it in that Spirit. And God said, let there be light, and light was. What's the first thing that God wants to infuse into this chaotic situation? Light. How did you get born again? You saw the light. We think of a man by Paul, uh, 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 Saul of Tarsus. We think of him. He thought he had light, but the light in him was really darkness, was it not? And then God knocks him off his donkey, And shines really into him, so much so that Paul became blind to the affairs of this world for three days and three nights. But he began to have sight into the heavenlies. You read the writings of Paul, the man could see. Light is the heart of God in this dark, confusing situation of human mess. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I read it for you the other day. The God of this world is blinding you and I from the glorious light that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Satan doesn't want you to see. Satan loves you being useless, ineffective, vacant, empty, dark, and baptized in death. And God is like, no, light. So that's why the gospel is light, it's revelation. It's understanding. God doesn't want you to stumble. He wants you to see. That's why we wrote the song. I once was blind, but now I... Yeah, saints. This is what happened. It's exactly what happened in the creation story. Let there be light. Now who generates that light? The Spirit of God. He's hovering. Immediately. Immediately. He did something. Now, I don't know scientifically what happened. That's not what we're discussing. I'm touching the typology, the spirit of the text. Is everybody with me? The spirit is there. The original Hebrew, light be, light was. It's exactly the original Hebrew. Notice verse 4. And God saw the light. By the way, light is just God. And when earth reflected visibly who God is. Don't ask me how God can be invisible and light at the same time. You figure that out and get back to me, okay? (laughs) But notice what happens. Light be, light was. God looks at that light. The earth begins to manifest what God is all about. Do you see that? And then God says, this is good. When the earth, as it is in the heavens, begins to be reflected on the earth, God says, this is awesome. This is what I want. As it is in heaven, it has to be on earth. So God sees the light. God sees the manifestation of His heart here on this earth. And then notice what happens next. Read carefully in your Bible because This was not explained to you in your flannel graph story way back when. It says, God separated the light from the darkness. God is the one who cuts. That word separation, you can write if you're so free. Write divide. God cuts. God makes a demarcation. It's almost like a line in the sand, if you will. Light is going to be here. Darkness is going to be over here. Why? He doesn't like mixture. Of course, it doesn't say that there, but you get the picture. God cannot stand light and darkness in the same house of earth. Is everybody with me? God is of light, in Him is no darkness. So He spoke into this world a separation, a cutting. Saints, You can interpret the rest of the Bible now through this word. You'll see that in every person that God will use in the entire Bible, He will always do a separating work in that person. He cuts them from this and joins them to that. He does not like mixture. Mm. Abraham, he leaves this land. He goes to that land think of the nation of Israel you leave Egypt you get cut from Egypt you come into the good land every single person experiences this why do you and I get water baptized you'll see a little bit later you get cut from this to live in this it starts right there in Genesis God cannot stand mixture that's why we're going to read in a little bit the word of the Lord cuts between your spirit and your soul. God does a cutting work. We're going to get there in our next segment. We call that the dealings of God in a person's life. He cuts you from father and mother. He cuts you from your culture. For the Israelites, they had to get circumcised. What was circumcision? It was a cutting from the person of the flesh to the person of Israel. You'll see that in all the people of God, there's always a cutting going on. There's a forsaking this and an entering into that. That's even what the word ecclesia means, the word church. The church are the ones that's cut from this and have entered into this. And you see the seeds of this cutting sown in Genesis. It goes through the entire biblical record. Leave your boat and your fishing industry. Follow me. Let the dead go bury their own dead. You follow me. And then you get to the book of Revelation. You got Babylon. You got the new Jerusalem. And the spirit of the Lord says, come out of Babylon. The implication, come into the new Jerusalem. This tension does not stop. From Genesis to Revelation, God is the one that cuts. The world over here, the kingdom over here. He can't stand my foot in the world, my foot in the kingdom like Solomon. So when we speak about living out of your spirit... It's a divine thing that God has for you. He does not want you to live out of your flesh, because the flesh wars against the Spirit. That's why you got baptized, to demonstrate the cutting from the world into God. You you and I don't get circumcised anymore. We get baptized. That's a cutting work. You'll see the Israelites, they're in Egypt. They go through the Red Sea to get delivered. There's a crossing over that happens. They've got to leave this, enter into that. Then you'll see, eventually 40 years later, there's Joshua. They're here in the wilderness. They cross over the Jordan to come into the good land. The entire biblical record is full of examples of leaving and cleaving. Mm -hmm. We even have that when the Lord spoke to the man and the woman. He will leave this and cling. What's going on? Read between the lines a little bit. Dig a little deeper. Stop treating it just like a scientific record. Where's dinosaurs? I don't know. (laughs) Do we come from monkeys? No. No. Dig deeper. Dig a little deeper. Stop being so shallow. Get into the spirit of things. That's why I spoke to you the other day. The scriptures are God-breathed. It's more than ink on paper. God loves cutting. He loves somehow separation. Notice verse 6. And God said... Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate. Ooh, there's that word again. Let it separate the waters from the waters. Verse 7 And God made the expanse and separated the waters which were under from the waters which were above. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning a second day. When God looks into this chaotic world of you, of this creation, you're going to see a pattern evolve. Everything is so jumbled, discombobulated, mixed. God doesn't like it. So he acts by his spirit into this world. The first thing he does is he cuts light From darkness. And by the way, that's how you got born again. It's exactly what happened to me. I was living in darkness, living in sin, living just for I, me, and myself. Couldn't see, couldn't understand. You can tell me about God all day long, it meant nothing to me. The Spirit of God began to woo me. And what happened to me was I began to see light versus darkness. Light comes into your being and you can see God. I mean, spiritually see God. Is everybody with me? Whoa. God has meaning. Satan doesn't. God is light, love, darkness, hate. Eternity, damnation. The way I got born again is things became so polarized for me. Because I read a book. Somebody did give me a book. And the book painted God and Satan so in opposition. It was just clear. I want to be on this side, but I'm not. And that's what happens to us when we get born again. Light comes into you and dispels the darkness, does it not? But notice step two that happens to you. And in spiritual experience, you can check with yourself. The second work of God, dividing, it's not just light from Darkness, but God divides the waters above from the waters below. Now listen carefully. The waters below signifies death, the waters above, regeneration. The first picture of water in the Bible is death, but then it becomes a picture of life. the planet was baptized in water somehow, then God begins to cut and make a separation between what is above life-giving versus below death-giving. Are you with me? Remember the day that you got born again? You met God, you gave your heart to Jesus. Remember that day? Is it not true that you saw for the first time and everything was in 3D. Whoa. But is it not also true that you began to have an attraction for the things of heaven more than an attraction for the things of earth? Yeah? What was happening? Your inner man became divided. That's what Paul would say. Set your mind on the things which are above versus the things which are below Colossians 3. Saints, that is a work of the Spirit of God in a man. Mm -hmm. I can come to you all day long and say, you need to think God things. Stop thinking sin things. Clean up your act. Go to church. Be more... The Spirit of God does that in people. And if people, and if you, by the way, can learn to live by the indwelling Spirit, the hovering Spirit... He will do the cutting work within you. We call that in biblical theology sanctification. He sets you apart. And the day that I got born again, I immediately lost my attraction for the waters of death. And I began to have an attraction, an affinity, an ache, a burden for the things of God. So, how do you know the Spirit of God is flowing in you, moving in you? Simply this. How's your attraction for godly things versus earthly things? The waters that you'll drink from this earth is death water. The waters that you drink from above is living water. Yeah? Mm-hmm. This is proof that God has done a dividing work in you. Is the attraction for spiritual things, the attraction for the kingdom, the attraction for the heavenly Remember Ecclesiastes 3? Eternity has been put inside your heart. There's something in you that is attracted to the heavenlies. But have you experienced the cutting yet? Have you experienced the separation yet? Yes or no? How much are you still in love with the things of this world? Versus the things of God, that's proof that the Spirit is working in you and you're partnering, or the Spirit is probably working and you're grieving the Spirit of God. It says there, God He wants a cutting, a delineation mark between the heavens and the earth. And I want to tell you about me. Here I am. Yes, I live with two feet on this ground but my heart and my burden is for the kingdom of God." There's nothing you can offer me on this world at this time that will derail me. And I'm tempted just like everybody else. But the Spirit has made such a consecrating work in my being that it's easy to say no to these things. Don't put a law on me. Don't put a moralistic, behavioral improvement. Don't legislate me in, in customs and traditions. The law of the spirit of life is hovering over you guys as he has over me and is to give me more and attraction for God. So how do you get the world out of you? You can go on a crusade. Oh, I will never watch this. Oh, I will never go there. And you can get all self-righteous and arrogant and be on a crusade and a mission to clean up your act. Or you can be like me. That no, I'm weak in every area of life, but I'm leaning into the heavenly. And as I'm drinking the living water, a separating quite organically. A deliverance quite spontaneously happens within me that gives me the power to say no and the power to say yes. So where are you today? Cutting. Look here at the next one. Verse nine. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together. Notice that. Gathered together. Into one place. Separated from the rest. Notice, let the waters be gathered together and let the dry land appear. This is where the continents now somehow push up out of the waters. Not exactly sure what that looked like. Not exactly sure when that happened. You guys have that figured out, I know. So The issue is not science for me here. The issue is spirituality. Here on the earth, everything is a, a watery mess. Then out of this watery mess, God brings forth dry land. Listen carefully. That dry land is a type and shadow of the good land, the promised land. The land will be the place where humanity is going to thrive, not the ocean. The ocean represents death. Are you with me? The land is where mankind will thrive. That land represents the good land. Not Egypt. Coming out of Egypt, going into the good land. But that land, listen, coming up out of the waters represents Christ coming up out of the baptism of death that He was in. This, by the way, happens on the third day. The earth is still under this baptism of death, so to speak. And God does another separating work. What does he do? He brings the dry land, the good land, the life of Christ out of the life of death. Saints, this is when you in Christian experience begin to live more in Christ than you do in the world. You live more for the Lord and for heaven than you do for the world. God does such a cutting in you, the way that He cut in creation. Are you with me? Everybody? And notice, God in verse 10, He sees that this is good. By the way, God is working in you according to Philippians 2, to do according to His good pleasure. God has good intentions for you and it's to bring the resurrection life out of your being of which the good land typifies just Christ coming up out of the earth, out of the waters of death. This is when you and I begin to live like the Apostle Paul, a life in resurrection, a life in the divine flow of God, in God's Christ, a life that we begin to live by Christ, We don't dabble in the waters of death anymore. We've been separated. We're living on the good land. The good land is the purposes of God. It's the heart of God. It's the fullness. It's the abundance. That's what the good land represents. Free from slavery. Free from bondages. Amen? Amen. This is when you and I begin to live in the glorious liberty of the children of God. Have you come to that separation where you live more in the good land than in the waters of death. You must check with yourself. That's what goes on here. And then um, we can go on and on and on, but I want you to see a, a few more words. In verse 14, there's the word separation again. In verse 18, there's the word separation. And every time God says, when this separation takes place, this is good. That separation work does not stop until you come into the full expression of God on this earth. Now, how are you led by the Spirit of the Lord? God is going to cut you, to constantly separate you from yourself and make you live more in the Spirit. By the way, Abram moves over to become Abraham. He crosses over. He leaves his land To go to the good land. God will show him. He leaves his father and his mother to find his identity in God. He left paganism to come into the one true God. Yeah? He crossed over the Euphrates River. We know geographically that Abraham lived here. God has him cross over a river. That's why... Abraham was called the Hebrew. That geber in Hebrew literally means one who crosses over. Abraham lived the lifestyle of crossing over. Separating. Then God speaks to him. Get circumcised. To separate from his flesh to the covenant. Then God says to him... "Um, Sacrifice your son. So he cut Isaac from him in death. Cuts his own flesh, his own identity. So that Isaac can be brought forth in resurrection three days later after that journey. We'll look at that later. So that's why God becomes known as the God of the Hebrews. He's the God of those who cross over. The God of those who were here and then brought out and brought in. Now, Paul goes so far as to say in Galatians and Romans, when he reasons, he says, We are the true children of Abraham, not according to the flesh as a Jewish Israelite, but those who have crossed over from sin into righteousness and death into life. God is also you and I's God. And in spirit, we are Hebrews. Are you a Hebrew? In word only or in deed? Has God cut you and separated you and crossed you over? That's the tension and the battle for your life. How much will you live a crossed over life? So Abraham then becomes the father of the purposes of God on this earth. At the Tower of Babel, just a few chapters earlier in, uh, in Genesis 9 and 10, those people were scattered that became useless to the purposes of God, but then God singles out a man who bears the Lord's testimony. Will you be that man in our day?